0: check two. what's up party people throw your hands in the air and wave them all around like you just don't care uh welcome to the sneaky emu episode number 82 that we're going to call i can smell your breakfast (laughs) oh it's so ridiculous i can smell your breakfast welcome to the sneaky emu uh, a place where we want to discover the wonders of the world and the beauty of God that is all around us that sometimes we fail to see and occasionally overlook mom thanks for listening you're such a good listener episode 82 i can smell your breakfast so i go running in the morning well let me rephrase that i used i used to go running in the morning <laughs> I don't run in the morning much at all anymore uh, for a various number of reasons. But when we used to live in town, I would go running in the morning and I would run through various parts of our fair city and I would occasionally, because it would still be dark out, and then as I would run through various parts of the city, I would occasionally get very strong whiffs, wafts, if you will. Uh, of people cooking their breakfast. And so I would run through these various parts of town and catch a, I'd catch a little bit of something. And then as I could smell the breakfast that was cooking, I would begin to develop uh, different mental pictures in my head. If if I could tell like which house I had ran by or something, and I could see the lights were on and whatever, I could, I I would have like um, little snapshots, imaginary pictures of, of who, who's cooking. Uh, is it, is mom cooking? Is dad cooking? Are, are there kids involved? Uh, I would, I would imagine the, like the kitchen area. Uh, I would imagine the table they're, they're, they're around. Is it somebody that got up early that's just having a bit to eat by themselves? Is it a family? Uh, and on and on it goes, like, were were they sitting around the table? You know, all kinds of things all these thoughts and ideas would begin to shape in my brain from the smell that I was receiving. Right. Smell is a very powerful thing. Scent is a very powerful force. Um, you, you know, this is, you know, this is powerful, right? Like when, like when you smell something uh, that, it's it's like it takes you somewhere else. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you, for me, the, the smell of fresh cut grass, this for me will trigger memories of being in Southern Illinois at my grandmother's house. Because for most of my growing up, my family would travel to Southern Illinois for summer vacation where we would spend, you know, like, Two weeks hanging out, visiting family, playing and stuff. And so I have these very strong memories connected to the smell of cut grass. Now, I will say, I think my brain is able to um, designate, signify, I don't know, separate between... <laughs> this, is, this is a weird way to start the podcast, isn't it? Uh, between the, the smell of northern types of grass in the smell of Southern types of grass, like I, I, recognize it as cut grass, but there's a different scent to that, what it's like my grandma's house, like her area. And so that smell immediately takes me back to like my, I don't know, like middle school days, you know, six, six, seventh grade, something like that. Or even, even the smell of rain or this, like before it gets there, you know, you can smell the rains coming like, it's not there yet. There hasn't been a drop to fall, but you can smell that. By the way, did you know there's there's actually names for these things, for the smell of cut grass and the smell of rain? Um, I, I I forgot to look them up, but I I have them in my notes somewhere. And maybe we should do a whole podcast on that. There, there's a smell. And actually, I think I remember reading something about how when – the, that, that smell from the grass is like some sort of chemical that the grass is producing, like for a specific reason, like that it's under attack or something like that. So it's what what we might consider like a, a nice or like comfortable smell is actually, I think a warning <laughs> of some sort. Anyways, um, scent plays, plays a powerful role in, in who we are in memories we have. In fact, there's a name um, for, uh, uh, as they've studied, like why, why smells play such a, a big role in memory. It's called the Proust, Proust, Proust effect. Um, researchers uh, hypothesize that the exceptional ability that smells have to trigger memories, known as the Proust effect, is due to how close the olfactory processing system is to the memory hub in the brain. So the idea is that the, the way that you're, you're processing the scent, that particular part of your brain is really close to the memory part of your brain. And so it, I don't know, sticks together better. I mean, I guess you could also make a case that says, um, part of it is like a survival sort of thing that, that you're picking up, um, these particular smells, you know, whether it's, you know uh, you know if you're if you're a uh an indigenous person and you're looking for berries you know like these berries uh have a particular smell these ones smell this way and these are good to eat these ones smell that way and they could kill you you know what I'm saying like you pick up on all these things for the sake of survival anyways um scent is a is a powerful is a powerful force it's it's deeply a part of who we are and how we experience this life. What's the thing about, isn't um, scent also a big part of taste? I didn't get that far into my scent research. I apologize for that. By the way, this is all going somewhere. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you'll stay with me. Isn't scent a big part of taste? Isn't that why like, when kids don't want to eat something, you tell them to like, Hold their nose and then chew because there's some sort of effect there. Yeah, I don't know. So let me give you a, a few other uh, strange but true facts about our sense of smell, just for fun. Because again, we're discovering the wonders of the world and the beauty of God. You know, so hey, why not? Let's let's learn. A, let's learn a little bit, a little sciencey. Let's get up. Let's get all up sciencey and in your ear. So. Here's a list of 10 strange but true facts about our scent of smell. Number one, people, and and I'm just going to, I'm going to list most of these. And then a couple of them were interesting. Some of them were dumb. I might skip them. A couple of them were interesting. I'll, I'll read a little bit more about them. Uh, People can detect at least 1 trillion distinct scents. 1 trillion different smells. That's uh, what you're working with. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like that's. I didn't even know there were a, a trillion smells. Who knows? Number two, scent cells renew every 30 to 60 days. Okay. That, I don't, that doesn't really affect me anyway, other than hopefully they keep regenerating so I can continue to smell. This one was really interesting. Number three, you can smell fear and disgust. That's a thing. Uh, they, they did an experiment uh, in 2012 as published in the psychological science in the in the journal of psychological science re- <laughs> researchers collected sweat from men as they watched movies that caused these feelings to remain odor odor neutral for the sweat test the men used scent-free products and quit smoking and using alcohol women participated women participants then completed visual search tests While unknowingly smelling the sweaty samples, the women's eye movements and facial expressions were recorded during this time. So these they collect the sweat from these dudes uh, uh, that are watching movies, uh, movies that would cause them to be fear, uh, like fearful or or disgusted at something. They collect their sweat, then they take these women. And then I I wonder why they tested women instead of men. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. But these women complete a visual search test and then were unknowingly subjected to the men's sweat, which is kind of funny. Um, And then they recorded their facial expressions. The researchers found that the women who smelled the fear sweat opened their eyes widely in a fearful expression during the test. And women who smelled the disgust sweat also displayed facial expressions of disgust. <laughs> what a weird test, but really insightful. So um, I can smell your fear. I can smell your disgust. Yeah, it's, it's uh, drifting off of you. I can smell it. Number four, smell is the oldest sense. I don't, I don't know how you figure that one. I mean, I guess it depends on your thoughts on like creation versus evolution, maybe. Um, It says every single cell animal, every single cell animal has ways to detect the chemical composition of the environment. Okay. Number five, women have a better sense of smell than men. Yes, I know that's true. Maybe that's why they did that in that study because of my wife. My wife has a hypersensitive olfactory. She does. We make a lot of decisions based on smell. Our wedding venue was picked based on smell, <laughs> or rather, I should say, the wedding venues we rejected were based on smell. Um, uh, one doctor says one of the reasons for this may be that women have a more developed orbital prefrontal region of the brain. It may have evolved from the ability to discern the best possible mates, or to help women bond better, uh, bond to better bond with and understand newborns. Okay, so. <laughs> That's <laughs> this is all like, it's like very primal, isn't it? Like, I mean, I guess we, we naturally, whether we realize it or not, we pick up on like the pheromones and that sort of thing. Um, it's just, it's just so funny. It just, I can't help but picture like dogs smelling butts or <laughs> walking around picking a girlfriend based on, uh, or girlfriends picking boyfriends, like, Giving them an armpit sniff first. I don't know. Number six, age related loss of smell is linked to race. That's interesting. Number seven, dogs have nearly 44 times more scent cells than humans. Yeah, we kind of already knew that. Uh, loss of smell may signal future illnesses. Uh oh, watch out. Number nine, each human has their own distinct odor, like fingerprints. Every person has their own distinct odor distinct odor you have comes from the same genes that determine tissue type. Okay. Number 10, decline in smell may predict death in within five years. <laughs> so, uh, but, but what do you do with COVID? <laughs> I mean, maybe that, maybe it was on to something. I don't know. Can't smell. Well, oh, timer's running. T- clock's ticking. Um, Still, it does say having a diminished sense of smell isn't necessarily something to panic about. Okay, there you go. Just so you know, it's it's not a uh, it's not definitive on that one. So, anyways, a few fun facts about the scent of smell. Now, um, going back to um, this idea of of scent and memory and all this stuff, have you noticed? And, and maybe you can. You can, there's something in your life that does this similarly, <clears throat> that when you get a whiff of something, like I was talking about the grass, um, those things, the, those moments, they tend, They tend to have this like, uh, rapturous sort of effect, don't they? Like you're transported to this different time and place. Like I was talking about my grandma's house and, and, and knowing that, um, when you come across particular scents, it's like you have this there's like almost like this full body response, right? Like it, it triggers not just memories, but something within, within the being. Um, I noticed like, I really enjoyed the smell of uh, eucalyptus or like lavender. We went, when we were on vacation, my wife and I got to go to, uh, we did a, a couple's massage and which by the way, <laughs> I'd never done a a tie, I think it was called, massage. I don't know the differences in them. I don't go enough to to know the difference in them. But this lady was taking my leg and bending it, like, backwards. It was almost like she was trying to get my toes to go backwards over my, you know, in reverse over my shoulders to, like, scratch my nose with my toes. And it was really uncomfortable and painful. Anyways, when we walked into the spa, there was a a very lovely aroma of like eucalyptus. And I, lo- I love that smell anyways. And so when I get a whiff of that, there's something very calming and and soothing within my body that happens. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like so this smell, these smells they they trigger memories. They they have like tangible effects on your physical being, I think. Um, or think about when you, when you smell something really bad, right? Like it's, it's gross. You tense up, you clench up a little bit when, when we're, when I'm sitting on the couch with my kids and we're watching a movie and one of my little boys like rips a big one on the couch or sometimes on my lap because they think it's funny, which I, I hate. (laughs) I, we have a rule at my house where if somebody farts on, on the, on dad, I throw them immediately off the couch. <laughs> like it's there's I, there's not even a pause. like that's the rule. If you fart on your dad, you're getting launched off not just like a gentle nudge, not like oh, let's girls get out of here. Like I don't say anything. I just launch them. Like when you have your kids in the pool, <laughs> I just launch them and they go tumbling across the living room. <laughs> that's the rules. I mean, what do you expect? So, anyways, uh, scent is powerful. It, it it evokes something in you. There, it has it has it triggers memories. It causes like this physical response within your being. Now, let's get slightly more serious. Uh, the past, I've had the past couple weekends. I've had back to back funerals, um, two Saturdays in a row. Um, one person that that I'm fairly familiar with, and one person that I'm not super familiar with. And kind of inadvertently, um, I, both messages that I've prepared, kind of um, in different ways, have some way come to, or come across, or referenced, like aromas or scent or the uh, the, the aroma of somebody's life. Okay, so two week uh, in in the first one, lovely gentleman. Um, it was very sad that, that, that he had passed and, and I knew him. Okay. I didn't know him as well as, as many of the people that were other people that were speaking, but, um, the way that they talked about him and and even in meeting to, to plan the funeral, um, the way that his, his wife and his friend and his kids talked about him, there was just this genuine sincerity to the guy, uh, who, the more I listened to them talk about him, the more I actually like, I uh, kind of felt like, man, I, w- I wish I would have known him better. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's it's sometimes in these moments where um, you start hearing all the other stuff about a person that makes you realize like, wow, I, I, I missed out by not knowing them. So as I was preparing the message, I was thinking about all this stuff and Somewhere along the line, I don't know how it, how it came to be, but I had come up with an idea that basically was saying, like, you know, listening to everybody talk, like, what an incredible human being. And I, and I get it's a funeral. And so you're kind of supposed to say those things, but this, like, I felt was like sincerely, I felt this way about this, this, this guy. Like, I just kept thinking, man, I, I honestly wish I would have known him better because he seems really incredible like the amount of love that he had for people the the way that people respected him the fact that i i didn't even know he was like a like a a a a big shot in like the state of uh in in the state of florida in in like the realm of law like i had no idea that that was what what he did for a living and because he was just so humble and just I, I mean I could I feel like I'm gushing a little bit I could go on and on about it but it was but it was so incredible to to hear these stories and so I had kind of come up with uh, uh, this thought as I was talking about like going you know I, I wish I knew him better that I, I made a a joke which which by the way is not typically what you want to do at a funeral in and in a service is to make a joke but I often do. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a couple of reasons. One is, um, because sometimes you just have to give people a break, right? Like there needs to be a, a time to breathe, to take a breath, like, because you're, you've been crying. People are, are sad. They're upset. They're carrying all this with them. And so to have that moment of, of reprieve, if you will, like, I, I think can be a good thing. So I, I had made a joke, but used the, kind of the joke as um as the setup for the conversation and so basically i i had said you know with everything that i talked about already in mind i said you know really he was like a loaf of bread (laughs) which i acknowledge like that's not what you expect to hear when you come to a service to a funeral uh dad was like a loaf of bread jim was like a loaf of like um that, that's not something you, you, you expect to hear. Oh, he, he was so loving and generous and kind. And yeah, 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 we get that, of course. But I said he was like a loaf of bread. But then I started to talk about when you think about it, like, have you, have you ever walked into a house or have you ever been to a bakery? What, what do you experience? What's one of the first things you experience when you walk into a house or a bakery and there's a loaf of bread baking, like a fresh loaf of bread? you experience the smell right the aroma the scent hits you long before you get to the counter long before you ever see the bread that smell of that fresh baked bread fills the air and and i talked about how i feel like this is a picture of how how this guy lived like he lived in such a way that his life was this pleasing aroma and then in ephesians 5 it says therefore be imitators of god as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Paul talks about how as Jesus lived in love, walked in love, sacrificed of himself uh, for love, like that the life of Jesus was this fragrant offering. And when I look at this guy's life, like this verse seems so very fitting. And so that kind of stood out to me, like, yeah, that's... His life, th- this guy's life was—he was, he was a, a deeply devoted man of God. He he loved people. He walked in love. He gave himself to others, and so he really was like this lo- <laughs> loaf of bread. And his life was this fragrant offering, right? And 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 again, it wasn't as much um, him as it was, I believe, like Christ operating through him. So that's your, your ex- what you experienced in his life uh, was the expression of the Christ that was living in him, right? Now, so that was funeral number one. Funeral number two is this lady who, again, I, I I didn't know as well. Um, but what I heard from the family in the meeting before the funeral and then even at the funeral was just, uh, these incredible things about this lady. And, and she was, she was a bit older. Uh, you know, it wasn't super unexpected. Like, kind of knew it was coming, Um, and they just continually talked about how she gave of herself, talked about um, the great lengths that she was willing to go through to love others, to serve others, to give of herself to others, that she uh, had faced really all kinds of adversity and yet was still pouring out herself um, despite her own needs for the sake of others. And the daughter of this lady had mentioned um, a, a book and an author that I had never heard of. I, I, I've since done some research on it and found out like this was kind of a, a big deal. The, uh, it's it's a book called The Prophet, and the author is uh, Khalil Gibran, I believe is how you say it. Um, it was, I mean, the guy, he was living in the late 1800s, early 20, uh, 1900s, wrote this book, it's... It's hugely popular, apparently. If you know it, you're probably like, oh, you didn't know about that? We knew about that. I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm a little behind. Cut me some slack, would you? So anyways, as I was, I I bought this book because I was just like, wow, this is really cool. And so I was reading through it and I, I was looking for something of that because it's the daughter's, like one of her favorite books. I was like, I wonder if I could tie something of that into the life of her mom and so I found uh, a great little part of this poem. So essentially the premise of the book is there's a, uh, a an enlightened sort of man, i.e. the prophet. And he's been in this particular area for 12 years or something. And he's getting ready to go home. He's getting ready to board a ship. Remember, he's writing this. The author is writing this in like the early 1900s. He's getting ready to board a ship to go home. And then before he does, the people of the town where he had been basically ask him, ask him to speak to like, speak to them some of his wisdom. And so it's like 26 different poems. That's about love, marriage, death, giving all this stuff, right? It's, it's, it really is incredible. So let me read for you the the section that I, that I use because this, again, this also comes, this is the weird part that I thought, oh, this comes back to scent and aroma as well. Okay. So, this is from the prophet by uh, Khalil uh, Gibran. Gibran? Yes, Gibran. Um, Then a rich man said, Speak to us of giving. And he answered, You give but little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. For what are your possessions but things you keep and guard for fear you may need them tomorrow? And tomorrow... What shall tomorrow bring to the overprudent dog burying bones in the trackless sand as he follows the pilgrims to the holy city? And what is the fear of need by need itself? Is not dread of thirst when your well is full, the thirst that is unquenchable? There are those who give little of the much which they have, and they give it for recognition, and their hidden desire makes their gifts unwholesome. And there are those who have little... uh, and there are those who have little and give it all there are th- let me let me <laughs> let me reset and there are those who have little and give it all these are the believers in life in the bounty of life and their coffer is never empty there are those who give with joy and that joy is their reward there are those who give with pain and that pain is their baptism there are those who give and know not pain in giving nor do they seek joy nor give mindfulness nor give with mindfulness of virtue they give as in yonder valley the myrtle breathes its fragrance into space through the hands of such of these god speaks and from behind their eyes he smiles upon the earth right how how good is that let me read that last like two lines again they give as in yonder valley the myrtle breathes its fragrance into space. Through the hands of such as these, God speaks. And from behind their eyes, he smiles upon the earth. So I, you have this beautiful picture of like, I'm, I'm picturing a crape myrtle. I don't know why. That's just what came to mind. But that it's out in this, this great valley. It's just beautiful bush, beautiful flowers. And just out there, it's just doing its thing. It can't help but offer this fragrance from these flowers and that whole area now is being filled with this sweet smell of this wonderful bush and these beautiful flowers. And then of course he compares it to when you are generous in this fashion, when you're living this way, when you're giving of yourself, um, not looking for recognition, not making it about you, when you're, when you're offering uh, the self in this way, like, there's this wonderful aroma that people pick up on from that, that you, you, people pick up on the, 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 the smile of God through that. So I thought, wow, it's just really interesting that kind of inadvertently both of these things have come back to this idea of aroma and scent, right? So something, something about how we live uh, creates, generates this, aroma, if you will. All right? There, there's something about how we live that generates a broader perspective of who we are, this aroma that, that is wafting to those around us. And so everywhere we go, everything we do, people are getting like these little hints, these little sniffs, these little whiffs of your life. And so the question to me, I think, especially in light of the two funerals is like, what, (laughs) it's a weird question, but I I feel like it's such a, it's a simple, beautiful uh, idea. Like what, what are they smelling? (laughs) And I get, it's hard not to be like juvenile, uh, in this conversation, but what kind of aroma is your life producing? You know, like, like a, a fresh baked loaf of bread, like the myrtle in the valley. Is it something is, is, is the scent that is wafting off of your life? Is it something that is sweet and drawing people into it? Is it something that people are recognizing before they even get to who you are or see the flowers or, or see the bread itself? That's something about how you live fills the air around you that, that causes people to, that creates within others a desire for that thing. Or are they smelling something else, right? So when when you go back to the how we started with the uh, I can smell your breakfast, right? What are you cooking up in the house of your life, right? What is the thing? What kind of breakfast are you making? That obviously we're speaking in metaphors. So hopefully this it's it's making sense. What kind of breakfast are you cooking in the house of your life? That 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 smell is is permeating like this is drifting into the streets and the trails around your house that other people are picking up on. Is it something that's drawing people in or is it something that people are like getting a whiff of and being a bit repulsed by? It's interesting to me that that scent is so powerful in us as human beings and that how we live can have such a powerful effect on others. Isn't it like you, through how you live, people will have a particular response. And it will the question is, will it be something that draws others in, or will it be something that pushes others away? And then what kind of life do you want to live? You know, like I I, I want to live the kind of life that that the aroma of my life is sweet and pleasing to the olfactory senses so that when you think of me, you know, when, when I'm long gone, what my family, what my kids, what my grandkids will think of me will be something that will be just full of fond memories and sweetness the way that the, the gentleman in, in my first funeral was like, what a profound way to live. What a profound way to think about how to live. That it's not just I'm getting through this life. It's not just I'm putting money in the bank. It's not just I'm trying to acquire more stuff. It's that I want to live in a way that my life produces a fragrant aroma, something that is sweet to the smell, something that is going to draw people to it. So maybe the question for us today, maybe the question for you is, what, what are people smelling <laughs> Do you smell what the rock is cooking? What was the rock cooking? What kind of aroma <laughs> was the rock putting out there? What, what kind of life are you going to live? What, how will you love people? How will you treat the people around you? How will you speak to others? How will you handle conflict with others? How will you say hard truths to others? How will you spend time? Will you continually be focused on all of the things that need to get done, or will you be focused on uh, the people that are in front of you that may require your attention? This is what I, that's what I struggle with. You know, when, we're, when my family's hanging out around the house, I'm continually thinking about all the stuff that needs to get done. You know, we have, we have a a decent sized property, and I'm always trying to plant or grow something, or clean something up, or mow something, or whatever. And I'll I'll get into the middle of doing several projects at once, and then my kids will be asking me, "Dad, can you play kickball? Dad, can you do this? Dad, can you do that?" And I'll be like, "No, Dad's got a Dad's got stuff to do." Well, what kind of aroma <laughs> am I producing with that? And then I'll turn around, I'll get into something, and then. I'll look over and my wife will be out in the front yard playing with our kids. And then I go, and then I pick up her aroma and I go, ah, oh, that, that's the better, that's the better thing. And I get sometimes, you you know, can't always just, uh, screw off your responsibilities. I get that. But also I think we have the ability to make the choices, um, with how we interact with one another, that uh, we have the ability to make those choices that will create for them a better way to think of and remember us, right? So what is the aroma of your life? What is the smell that people are picking up on? Is it something that's sweet and pleasing and drawing them in? Or is it something else? the life of Christ as it's described by Paul there in the book of Ephesians as he was obedient to God as he was walking in love and offering himself that's the kind of life that God found to be this fragrant and pleasing aroma this fragrant offering so maybe maybe that's the lesson for us that as we follow As we try to be obedient to God, as we try to walk in love with those around us, that those are the things that will create the aroma that will cause somebody to have the very fond memories, these strong feelings, these things that uh, will rapture people to to a time and place where they remember that time that you guys did that thing. And what a great memory that was that will lead to the place of this deep sense of love and longing because the aroma of your life has been so sweet. So there you have it. I can smell your breakfast. So make sure your breakfast smells good, by the way, please, because we're all picking up on it. We're all picking up on it. Are you cooking up some bacon and eggs and making me making my, wath, my my matter? My mouth water? Or are you cooking up some like, I don't know, what what do you cook that smells bad? I don't know, something. Grits. (laughs) (laughs) All my Southerners just got really offended. I apologize. I take that back. I don't want that to be the aroma that you're left with today. What are you cooking up? People can smell it. People can smell it. Make it something good. All right, my friends, this has been The Sneaky Emu, episode number 82. I can smell your breakfast. Mom, thanks for listening. You, by the way, Mom, have a wonderful aroma. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sending you guys all the love and peace in your general direction. May God bless you this week. May you find mercy and love and grace and peace. And may you be a distributor of grace and peace everywhere you go. Of the church and the state. We're here to drink beer. We're here to kill war.